Hello, and welcome to episode 94 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Epling. In this episode, we've invited our good friend Phil Vickers back to discuss Labyrinth, a childhood favorite of his. Directed by Jim Henson, Labyrinth holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts, just not really in mine or Ryan's. But we're glad to have Phil here to talk about his early memories of the movie and what it's like watching a childhood favorite as an adult. Labyrinth has significantly grown in popularity since its release in 1986. Even with the powerhouse combination of George Lucas's producer, Jim Henson, and David Bowie, Labyrinth only made just under $14 million at the box office. Critics weren't impressed, often citing the lack of story to match the impressive visuals. Over the last three decades, though, VHS introduced more and more people to what they missed out on in 1986, giving Labyrinth a devoted fan base to the point that it is now an 80s icon. So what makes Labyrinth such an enduring cult classic? Is it really just David Bowie's pants? Keep listening. Something in those pants. Please bring him back. Please. Sarah, go back to your room. Play with your toys and your costumes. Forget about the baby. I can't. I've brought you a gift. What is it? It's a crystal. Nothing more. But if you turn it this way and look into it, it'll show you your dreams. But this is not a gift for an ordinary girl who takes care of a screaming baby. Do you want it? Then forget the baby. Like that was uh, David Bowie explaining where her brother is to Jennifer Sarah's, Connelly. Sarah's, Sarah's brother. brother. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly's brother. Uh, I don't believe it was a real brother. I think they're acting. Yeah, it's, uh, they're it's, not. The, it's Brian Froud's kid, Toby. Oh. That's his real name. <laughs> and Brian Froud was the, one of the gentlemen who designed all of the goblins and everything. Oh, right. the movie. Yeah, he's also the one who designed all the Dark Crystal drawings. Like, oh, the, oh, wow. Yeah. See Phil already That's bringing Phil. in the experts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, before we can even introduce him again, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Phil's jumping in with knowledge. Well, He's excited to be here. We're yeah. excited to have jumping him. right in, which is great. Got to correct you before you make fools of yourselves. I, well, well uh, it could that be that we be were new, joking. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that's David Bowie uh, offering her a gift. I would take a crystal from David Bowie. Who wouldn't? But we are doing Labyrinth. Well, actually, you know what's funny is that we're doing this movie because, Phil, you had chosen this as your movie for this new format that we are still doing, Breaking yep. New Ground on the podcast. Uh-huh. But uh, it's also 35th anniversary of this film. That's true. So very timely choice, yeah. Phil. Thank you for doing that for well, us. Well, you know, I absolutely did not mean to. <laughs> but I'm glad it worked oh, out. that humility we know and well. love. <laughs> Uh, I, I I had no idea as far as the actual anniversary until I I probably saw a similar yeah, yeah. article but yeah no I picked it because it's uh it was my favorite childhood movie by, really by and far. you saw it as a child yeah yeah oh. 
Well, then why don't we kind of let, let's just get a kind of a baseline established here before we dig into our discussion on the rewatch here. Mm-hmm. And let's go maybe through all of us. But we're going to start with you, Phil. Like, do you have a memory of your first time watching this movie at all? No, but I, 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 I've watched it so many times as a kid. I remember my cousin and I, my cousin was like my best friend as a kid. So my cousin, Robert and I. Used older to, or younger? He's a year older than me. Okay. So all he right. would come and stay at our house for like two weeks during the summer. Or I'd go stay at their house for a week or whatever. But th- this was one of the movies that we just watched and sang and yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 like like i i still have you know i still know the lyrics to the songs i have them memorized in my in my brain so i i yeah i get it yeah so so and how old would you have been around this time right i mean right when it came out oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but- yeah um i don't know uh grade school okay uh, i'm not sure when but uh you know like around 10 years old ish yeah and once i started watching yeah. it i never i never stopped like yeah. it was it was, I just always watched it and it was a comfort movie as I got older. So let me ask you, cause I do feel like there was a couple movies sort of of its ilk in mm-hmm. the eighties, you know, like princess bride even could maybe be thrown yeah. in this and like never ending story. Are you sort of a fan of that Willow. whole thing? Willow yeah. and kind of like, like what, what George Lucas and, you know, Rob Reiner, these, they were kind of bringing this fantasy up updated for the yeah. time fantasy element into the eighties. Is that sort of something that's in your wheelhouse? You would say it, it is my, it's my main wheelhouse fan, okay. fa- fantasy. <laughs> well, fantasy over even science, like science fiction. Yeah. Okay. And, and I like science fiction. Fine. I enjoy, I enjoy it. But even reading the books I read were fantasy books. And even now the, the books I choose to read for like, you know, fl- for fun, you know, for uh, uh, just kind of candy reading is, is definitely like, generic fantasy yeah, stuff. Yeah. I, I love the tropes. I love the, the worlds. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm excited about because I don't think that's necessarily our wheelhouse. So I feel like no. you kind of bring that in yeah. uh, to our appreciation of this movie. Yeah. So, well, what about, uh, what about you, Ryan? What's your, what's I, your experience with I, labyrinth? I, I mean, it, uh, not as a kid at all. I think, I think I was probably in college or after college, like real late to it. It feels like now it's pretty much, especially for people our age. Um, it's, it's pretty much a given that you've seen it, but it wasn't part of the zeitgeist of our childhood. Um, so then I, I don't mean this as a, like a pejorative toward the movie, but I feel like sort of like hot topic culture kind of brought things like labyrinth, like these eighties kind of more like niche fantasy sort of stuff. Then it was like, Oh yeah, that thing from the eighties is now on a t-shirt and now right. we're kind of watching it, whatever. And again, I don't mean that it just, there was a niche audience for it that found kind of a mainstream sort of that kind of brought it into resurgence, yeah. I think. Well, but yeah. do you think that the, because it was readily available due to streaming, right. I think that that's probably a big part of it. Too. Yeah. Or, or, or do or you just, think that that's, it has a lot to do with it? Cause before it was like, where do you get labyrinth? Right. You have to go to the video store if they even have it. Right. I think it's a combo of like streaming, but also I like just DVD online even. culture yeah. where people were just writing about movies that critics maybe wrote off. I feel like there's, there was a lot of that happening in the last 10 years or so where yeah. there were movies that I think were forgotten because critics forgot them. Yeah. And then it took online culture, even maybe back in the day, the blogosphere, yeah. people writing about the movies that they actually loved mm-hmm. from their childhood and said, no, you know, I don't care what the critics think. This is a favorite movie of mine. And that kind of brought some respectability back to it, I think. Yeah. you know, At this point, it seems like you, you kind of have to have seen Labyrinth if you want to be a fan of the movies even well i think a lot of current makers yeah like uh, that's that's a thing like what like the 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 previous generation i mean but even look at the popular movies you know the marvel movies are the most popular movies in the world right now probably i mean just by numbers alone right right? so 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 people are just more i believe i mean yeah you had star wars and stuff that were kind of the one-offs but generally speaking fantasy movies uh, uh were not 
not at the level of popularity, I think, mm-hmm. until well, until. I well, I, I would say probably the the resurgence started with Lord of the Rings in yeah. the early two thousands, and sort of like, oh, well, you liked that? Well, you should check out Dark yeah. Crystal and and Harry Potter helped with that yeah, too. I think yeah, sure. you know Harry Potter uh, first with the books. I think uh, brought some mainstream popularity to yeah. fantasy. Yeah, and then you you had the movies to follow with that. So. Well, yeah, I think what you see with those movies as well is fantasy was never able to be done well because. Yeah. How do you do the fantasy creatures exactly. and stuff? So that's why I believe Jim Henson and and even George Lucas with Star Wars, they kind of had the creature because the creature effects had mm-hmm. to be practical. They were the guys that could do it. And that's why and the budget. Uh, yeah. Well, too, yeah. And even that, but yeah. now it's like you can do, you can do Lord of the Rings. You can do yeah. Harry Potter because we have the computer graphics. Uh, right. and you don't have to do these practical things that are, are, are so just giant scale. So that was when I saw it, like kind of just when it started becoming the, listed among the important movies and i can't be certain about this because i wasn't a huge david bowie fan before high school but i do feel like labyrinth was sort of an asterisk in his career like almost like prince's batman soundtrack it was sort of like oh and it was this thing he did but then sort of like prince's batman soundtrack is now sort of like actually it's a pretty good soundtrack it's a pretty good album um People are looking at Labyrinth, and it's like that wasn't just like a cash grab for Bowie. That was that was kind of a cool thing he did. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he was brought in pretty he, early, right? So there was just a lot of stuff about the movie that I felt like, oh, it's kind of filling in my David Bowie knowledge, my movie knowledge, my Jim Henson knowledge. Three that pillars, three yeah, pillars of knowledge, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I that's how I base all my classes. I start <laughs> with those three, um, and then yeah, I've seen it a couple times since. Okay, and what did you think when you saw it the first time? Um, like I was maybe missing something, I think <laughs> a little bit like, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not big into camp or sort of like fun, fun, I yeah. hate fun. Um, but I still love Jim Henson and I'm still astounded by how big a world he could create. Yeah. So for you, this was maybe more gremlins than muppet christmas carol kind of like yeah sort of the way you yeah if you were to kind of compartmentalize it right, a little bit right right you right, know right okay and then we'll have the rewatch we'll talk see if that changed at all but Ooh. uh my experience with this movie is is an odd one i i did see it when i was in but i didn't see it when i was a kid i saw it in high school my girlfriend at the time this was one of her favorite movies and she's like, you got to watch Labyrinth. And so we watched it, but I fell asleep. And I don't, and I, I don't think it was the movie's fault. I think I was just, I must have just been tired or whatever. But yeah, I, I had like zero memory of this movie, really. <laughs> to the point where like if people had said, have you seen Labyrinth? It was like sort of not really. And then I never saw it again until the rewatch for this, for this episode. Oh, wow. So so I don't have much more to say beyond that. Although, that's amazing that that happened. Well, we lived together <laughs> well, for a long time. Well, that's what I'm saying. Considering yeah, how yeah, long yeah, we've possible. known each other, like yeah. I don't even, and then we lived together for so long. I don't know how that that. Yeah. I mean, our listeners don't really know how far back me and you go. Uh, well, all three of us really, but like, you know, that we have been in bands together, went yeah. to college together. We lived together for a couple of years. And yeah, so I definitely saw it like on the DVD shelf. Yeah. It was always there. It was always there. My and copy maybe, and yeah. Randy's. Yeah. We had multiple people that had but copies. I'm, you know, I'm kind of like with. With what you were saying, Ryan, I don't really feel like this was a part of, it wasn't a part of the group I grew up with. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it was talked about all that much unless Phil was talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) And you got used to drowning that out. I got used to drown that out. So So did you not watch it all that much or would you just kind of throw it on when you're going to sleep or when you weren't feeling good? Like how how did you watch it as as, as you became an adult? Yeah, it was kind of like if I was just having a a, a lazy Saturday afternoon, Mm -hmm. I'd throw it on. But it's mainly... the 
the songs. Before I knew Bowie, I knew him as the Goblin King, and that's the. I loved the music, and I do wonder if there if that's part of it because you're looking at this was your introduction to David Bowie. Yeah. And Bowie is sort of just a such a, a a centerpiece of this movie that like for anyone watching it now they're kind of going at it as oh it's David, David Bowie, Bowie yeah. in this Muppet movie, yeah. whereas you were like it's a Muppet movie who's this guy oh it's David Bowie and then that turned into maybe you exploring David Bowie a little bit more. There's well, going to be a difference if you're a kid yeah. approaching this than I think if you're an adult who's very aware of David Bowie and knowing everything. Mm-hmm. That comes with that. I, I when I for, I remember as a child when I was watching the movie, I wasn't aware if the Goblin King, because you know before they called him the Goblin King, I didn't know if he was a woman. I didn't know if he was supposed to be a woman or not. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there was like <laughs> as uh, there was rumors that uh, I, I'm sure my cousin told me, but that 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 the the <laughs> Bowie character was also supposedly supposed to be uh, a variation of of uh, Jennifer Connelly's st- Sarah's stepmom. Oh, like that's part of the kind of like Wizard of Oz of it all where, it, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that, that, well, we can, and we can get into this, but I was reading some stuff on this about, you know, so this, this was a book. Yeah. Was it a book or was there a novelization? It was, it's kind of both. <laughs> well, there, there's multiple, there's multiple things they did. They, there was a, there was a, the script was written first before anything. Then after there's, there's a, a comic book series, a three, a Marvel put out a three comic series, labyrinth series. And then there was a graphic novel uh, sequel uh, called Back into the Labyrinth, where Toby's an adult okay. and goes back into the labyrinth. What's, this is kind of an interesting fact. Maurice Sendak right. had written a book with a similar storyline to the point where he, get, he was good friends with Jim Henson and J- more actually better friends with Jim Henson's wife. Yeah ex-wife at the time it was uh, outside over there yeah is the sendak book which is a girl whose little sister gets stolen by goblins yes henson was always very like upfront about how he was he owed a lot of labyrinth to that book well after you know? maurice sendak sent him a very strong worded letter <laughs> oh, seriously that was, yeah, that yeah, yeah this really happened he decided that he was going to put maurice sendak in the credits then now here's the thing though there was a it was by A.C.H. Smith. It was a 1986 novelization of Labyrinth. So it's the um, that, novelization. That, of that was written with input from Henson and Terry Jones. And in there, right. it goes even deeper into that character of Jareth. And in the book, her mother is an actor and her boyfriend is someone named Jeremy. And looks exactly and like, exactly yep. looks okay. like uh, Jareth. And, and she left the, the family for him. She left the family. Yeah, right. Well, so... Um, now that we've kind of talked about and established, in addition to a tangent, uh, <laughs> established our first time watching this, uh, this movie, um, do we want to kind of talk about what it was like watching it now? Now, Phil, had it been a while? No, I, well, yeah, I mean, it's probably been, you know, a year or year and a half, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, you know, how a lot of people have whatever movie you have from your childhood, you just mm-hmm. haven't memorized. And, and this yeah. movie is very like, I could sing the songs back right now. Like I, I just have it memorize <laughs> it's it's in my brain so uh, i when i rewatched it it was nothing i mean i was just like yeah yeah but, i figured your your rating or whatever wouldn't change no 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 it, know, but i just didn't know how fresh it was when you rewatched it i yeah i mean i still like the visuals i still you know it's still all, but i i kind of feel like i can understand the critics at the time who were like the story is not great like there's not much to it 
which the brand I have to keep up also is mentioning what Kelsey says when we watch. And she, she said she just doesn't really love quest stories because mm. it's sort of just like for her, she's just like, can I just get there? Like she's not super <laughs> in love with all the obstacles. I'm not fully there, but like I can, I can get it. And especially since there's that the scene in the beginning where she says like, oh, that would take you straight to the castle. Maybe it's winking at the idea of like a, a quest movie that like, yeah, we're going to put you through this. We absolutely don't have to. But yeah, I just kind of, lose interest at times but then there are scenes that just are great do we want to do a kind of a, 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 star? a star rating i mean i figure it's gonna be five stars right i mean if you can even no, i mean well no i mean let's be realistic about it i'm not completely blind to it isn't it i also understand that this is uh this movie is is almost 98 percent nostalgia you know right. what i mean like it's so, That's so okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, your, it's, your, it's your rating. I would, you know I would give it a four and a half stars. Really? Uh, yeah, I, just I give it five, man. Nah. That's fine. No, because I don't. I don't give. I, I'm still waiting for my five. You <laughs> You've know what I mean? Never seen a five movie. Well, I'm. I'm waiting. I've seen movies that were fives right after I saw them, and then upon oh, a week, then, or okay, like upon okay, a rewatch, sure, you're sure. like, uh, you guys know, you yeah, yeah. But I'm, you know, realistically, <laughs> a four and a half. Yeah, because as a, I was also, you know, I mean, as a kid, there were parts that I didn't like. As a kid, the ballroom scene made no sense to me. <laughs> I was like, why are they dancing? You needed Stanley Kubrick to help you out with that yeah, part. Yeah, it was a little... <laughs> a little eyes watch. Yeah. yeah. It was just really weird, you know. But so, so yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely uh, one of my top movies. Right. But. How can you rate a piece of your heart? Yeah. You just can't. I, uh, I, I mean, probably like a three, three star, three out of five for me. Okay. I'm feeling good about this movie. I'm, okay. I would easily give it a four. I really enjoyed myself with this. You know, you you can definitely see the the inspirations and the pieces in there, and yep. that it is very much just a, a quest movie. And I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say I'm all that a huge fan of quest movies per se, but um, I thought it was an interesting idea to kind of take something like say Wizard of Oz and give it like a Monty Python sensibility mm-hmm. to it, which bringing Terry, I, I could definitely see like the Terry Jones right. in this, in the humor of all the different stations of the quest, that awareness you're talking about, like it's very aware of what it's doing. Oh, and, and, and did almost, you see who you know, did the final, final polish of who? the script? No. Elaine May. Really? How mm-hmm. do I miss that? They, I don't know. They had, yeah, they had multiple people. Had, touch. Yeah, Even George Lucas. You're, you're going to three star something Elaine May had a part <laughs> in. You're going to really I do know, this. For I you? know. I know. <laughs> but I just thought it was a really smart movie, especially for its time, because I think yeah. since then you've seen other, like you were saying earlier, so many people have kind of taken these ideas and run with them, um, you know, into even a little bit more of a, maybe we would call it a modern sensibility, whatever. But just, I, I really appreciate. That it does go to those dark places. It seems like a lot of older kids' movies, just like older folk tales, they're okay with scaring kids. Yeah, like uh, like the goblins at the beginning of the movie when they're hiding and, yeah. and they're you know that's a pretty creepy scene. That's a, you know that's almost a horror movie type scene. In the bedroom, you mean? yeah, in the bedroom, and then when she's walking yeah. to the blanket and it's mm-hmm. crawling away and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that part of it's also just uh, everyone's so kid gloves with kid stuff sure. nowadays, and some kids need that. Like some kids are just more sensitive to that, but. Mm. As a kid, I like I said, if it was weird, if it was odd or different, then I I wanted to watch it. Right, like it was, yeah. that's what I liked. It's got good company with like the yeah. original Grimm's fairy tales, Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tales, and it's more in line with sort of the the older tradition of fairy tales and yeah. not being afraid of ambiguity and gruesomeness. And what's the point of this? Eh, maybe there's not much of a point yeah. to it, you well, know. But, and similarly, <laughs> you know? in kind of like a middle ground, I would say to Pan's Labyrinth, like Pan's yeah. Labyrinth, which is fully mature. You know, as far as like they take yeah. it even a step further than than Labyrinth, but I, I I mean they're both 
labyrinthian I, I actually, fairy tale type I have shit. written in my notes, I said before Del Toro, there was Labyrinth. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like I could mm-hmm. definitely see that touch in there. And and Coron even with like what mm-hmm. he did with the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. And Neil Gaiman getting into kids literature. Yeah. But with that said, you know, even four stars and all enjoying myself, I do have questions where I'm just kind of like, what the hell is that about? Or like, it doesn't make any, that doesn't even make any plot sense to me. Like, why don't we just start with the basics here? Sure. Maybe you can answer this. Maybe there is no answer. Why did, why did Jareth want the baby? What for? He, he wanted Sarah. He wanted her. Oh, he no, and also he he wants to, he wants Toby to yeah. to be the next Goblin King. He wants to raise okay. Toby as his successor. Okay, then maybe that's what I missed because I was kind of like I don't really get the baby in this. Like that, what the baby serves. Yeah, you know? if they if they stay there, they turn they can't leave. They're stuck there forever. And apparently, Jareth doesn't necessarily enjoy being. The Goblin King. Yeah, he he mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily like it. Yeah, so it looks like it sucks. Yeah, honestly, he, he, he doesn't look that great. Well, no, yeah. and he even says like, or like that's kind of the shtick is he he doesn't want to be in that position necessarily. But yeah, that, from what I gather is two things: a he wants eventually he falls in love with Sarah. Yes, well, but I that's, think that's that's the that's fantasy in very, her head, right? Yeah. And then secondly. He wants Toby to be, and that's actually the the sequel graphic novel that I was telling you about. That's kind of the premise: is he so, talks Toby into coming back and tries to get him to oh, be the successor, to, to be the goblin, the yeah. new goblin king, yeah, if you will. So, rewatching it, are there things like as an adult you appreciate now that you didn't when you watched it as a kid? I, I think just the practical effects, even more so, you know, because yeah, because uh, yeah. I've also done a lot of like. Uh, I, I've just I've watched a lot of documentaries on this movie. Mm-hmm. I've I've read uh, a lot of like Jim Henson uh, biographies and stuff. So so I just know that the work that they put into this and the scope of a lot of, of mm-hmm. what they did and even just how they shot the movie because this was the first Jim Henson project where Jim Henson didn't puppeteer anything. No, he didn't. No, he just directed. Brian was old enough, his son, to where Brian even voices Hoggle. And right. He's the main one of the main puppeteers on on Hoggle's head. Hoggle the dwarf if you will yeah it's interesting because like i said this is the first time they did a lot of certain things like it was one of the first computer graphic animals right yeah uh, like even try they and tried in a movie and that was kind of the henson company's thing jim was always a big on what's the newest way we can create creatures yeah and that's why they really went into that that's the scene where that's the creatures that are kind of throwing each other's heads around that one no, no that's opening. the fireies okay yeah the, no i'm talking about the, the owl opening the owl, yes, the okay, credits. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the fireys—that's uh, what they're called. There were there were four puppeteers, and they were reaching their hands with the puppet parts through black curtains, and then they superimposed on top of the black curtain the video of the actual like wood wood background and whatnot. And then also the music. I still I still love the music, and I appreciate the slower stuff now as an as an older guy. But <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah, that's that those two things. Yeah, not just the impressiveness of the practical effects, but the the cleverness of how to use them. Because um, yes, they can make an awesome pu- puppet. Ludo is incredible. But one scene that really stood out to me was the hands scene, where like. Mm, so many yeah. just different faces out of hands like every face yeah, looks different, very cool yeah. which is like it doesn't sound that impressive but it's like man that's so clever to come up with that idea and to come up with different personalities for faces made out of hands i think it's that imaginative 
right nature of it that I just I miss because nowadays and this isn't just like a let's rag on CGI. No, but, no, let's but, well, let's. but maybe we should because I do feel like there's something just magically gone right. in it. And it's not just, well, now you can just do anything. It's that there is genuinely some kind of touch to puppetry yeah. that I think actually makes things funnier. It is funnier when a puppet does something than when a CGI animation of the same thing does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And you could animate it with all sorts of facial expressions to try to make it funnier. Mm-hmm. But there's something funny about the limitations of a puppet, I think. But then also being impressed by what they're doing given those limitations. Like yeah. you're taking all of that in you and your psyche when you're watching this, I mm-hmm. think. And actually we grew up in a time where, you know, I can remember being blown away by computer effects. Yeah. Yeah. That look like, horrible now. That yeah. look horrible yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now it's almost like I go back because now we're just kind of tired of computer effects. Yeah. They've done everything. We've seen everything. It's just numbing at this point. Yeah. And then you go back to something like Labyrinth and you're like, this is almost, this seems like a little more timeless. Yeah. And I think some, in some ways, people are kind of returning to that a little bit. And not, not, you know, obviously studios, it's going to be way cheaper for them to just do computer graphics. So they're going to do that. But like in The Mandalorian, Grogu, Baby Yoda was originally, the puppet was just going to be a stand in until they computer animated him. And then uh, Werner Herzog said, don't be a coward. <laughs> he said, stick with the puppet. And they just stuck with the puppet. And it's great. It's so much better. And look at how that became such a meme yeah. of Baby Yoda. And I, th- I, I could, could it have ever turned into know. that if, yeah. it was, if it was just a computer-generated thing? It's a cultural you know? obsession. Yeah. I also think just on a human brain level, your brain, we're yeah. not to the point. I mean, we're getting there, but we're not to the point yet where computer graphics are uh, they can't. They're not fooling our subconscious on right. any level yet. Right, right. I mean, we're getting there. Stuff doesn't look like the Polar Express anymore, <laughs> where you know you have like every character's Botox. Right. Uh, but like, but I'm saying I think that that's part of it. Is yeah. our brain also appreciates like especially when it's a weird creature yeah. when mm-hmm. there's actual substance to it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's also the just base level when you're a kid with a sock puppet how funny it is to just take it off your hand and throw it and go ma you know like and just seeing how, you know that's funny that's, that's always yeah. going to be funny yeah. you know it does hit at this like core childishness of play i think when you see some of the stuff in labyrinth and then you see that mixed with the more higher level terry jones humor of like the funniness to me of ludo just constantly saying that smell in the eternal uh bog of eternal stench stench. it's just this like (laughs) (laughs) it does it like five times like you just can't get yeah (laughs) with Uh, the fart noises of course in the background yeah but the yeah just the bog of eternal stench is gross man it's so gross the effects are just really gross (laughs) they're so sick it's so funny though Ah, what is it? It's the bog of eternal stands. There was a lot of intent. I mean, Jim Henson was an obsessive worker. And then you had Brian Froud. There is a book. Every single puppet you see in Labyrinth has a name and a backstory. Mm-hmm. Brian Froud gave, there's even a book called he, like. He and Terry, Terry Jones yeah. wrote it. So, I mean, the intent 
is there. So like, and and not only that, they tried to make the set fun. Like when the extras are there during the dance magic dance scene and they have like all the goblins moving and dancing, the only direction they gave them was act like goblins. (laughs) (laughs) So you have all like all the actors that were in those, you know, it's it's part puppetry, part actors, but yeah, they were just acting like idiots because that's what they were told to do. So I mean, a lot of that's fun, but that's fun. And that's, and that's lively. And that scene just logistically is so impressive because so much of the other Muppet stuff is shot from like waist up of the of the humans and like yeah. you didn't never see the floor because they're, yeah. but that one they do they're kind of showing off like the camera's up in the air it's like look they're on the floor yeah How, and, and they're, they're on the walls is, yeah, they're in like, the, yeah they they said if you remove the puppets from that scene it looked like uh, absolute Swiss cheese. Yeah, because they had because there's like fifty some puppets, yeah, right? Yeah, and then they had people. They just threw them on. They threw them on strings. Yeah, they're on ropes, and they're like, "We're just going to pull you up in the air." Yeah, and they're like, "Okay," you know, like <laughs> that's not. But that's what I. I think that that's the thing that a lot of like when we talk about uh, like modern movies, it's such a machine now. Yeah. Whereas that was more of an organic situation where, yeah. okay, this is the problem. We're going to try to figure out how to do this like this, and then they creatively come up with a way to do it like that. that that's why you get kind of, I think an organic. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. And does that sort of creative culture exist anymore? It reminds me of a documentary that you recommended on our hoopla canopy. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beauty is embarrassing. Yeah. Where, Wayne White, mm-hmm. is, Wayne White was uh, a production designer and puppet designer on Pee Wee's Playhouse, and they created entire alternate shows in their quote unquote downtime. Like, yeah. they just had time to sit around and make puppets and do voices and create characters and create sets. And that, some of that made it onto the show. Some like stuff would bleed into that, but they also were just kind of filming that stuff. And there were just these people who were just incredibly creative people, incredibly good at creating things and crafting lots of different stuff. They were clever and they had downtime to do that. I just feel like with CGI and I I have no idea, like I have no (laughs) idea what it's like, but it just feels like there wouldn't, that you would never have that. I think that there are probably creative people that are just as, uh, creative at problem solving and stuff. I think for me, it's more a matter of the collection of the saying, creative yeah. giants, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. between uh, just Froud's graphic mind, uh, Henson's puppetry mind, and then uh, Jones, as far as like script and production wise, like it, 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 yeah. they just did such a good job as far as like all of them together. Yeah. And it wouldn't have worked if any of those personalities were not involved. I don't think a labyrinth organically happens these days. And maybe you can speak to this as I don't know how much of this, because we've talked a lot about sort of the collaborative effort of all this, but how much of this really was like Jim Henson's pet project? It, it, you know, it was, if anything, it was uh, Henson and Froud's project with Jones. And then, yeah. you know, this was never just Jim. Jim Henson didn't like to do that. He liked yeah. to work with people. So, at the end of the day, the story still has to kind of glue together. And so I guess, is that maybe where you start to wander a little bit, Ryan? Is oh, like, yeah, okay, the sure. story is not doing it for me. Yeah. Know? Or is it like, I don't know, like for me, the character of Sarah right. as Jennifer Connelly is pretty say. flat. For someone who has to carry the movie, she she is no Judy Garland. I'll put it that <laughs> way. You know? Well, and she's, she's made to just stand and look around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but not be amazed. So like you are scared of this, but it's also supposed to be kind of fun for us as the audience, but not fun for her as a character. So I feel like there's sort of like an audience disconnect with her when the fireys are having this fun song for us as an audience. It's like, Oh, awesome for her as a character. It's like, yeah, they're going to super scary. Kill me. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, and there's just a real disconnect there. And then to kind of jump back into Sarah's shoes immediately following that scene, it's just sort of like, oh, okay, okay. This is not as interesting as that song was. But I was asked to like disassociate from you for a little bit there. Or I kind of did, you sure. know? Yeah. That's partly it for me. I feel like Jennifer Connelly was given a pretty hard job. Well, she's also oh, yeah. 14. Right. I think we're so used to seeing uh, in a lot of situations, child actors that are- Older than the character they're playing. Well, first off, yeah, that nowadays they're 25 if they're right. playing a teenager. But I, I mean even child actors that are like really Broadway, yeah. you know, like yeah. very, yeah. hey, hey. hey. <laughs> yeah. So I think she just plays a more, and I'm kind of like, well- Maybe she's reacting like a normal 14-year-old person would, Uh, especially because, I mean, what do you do uh, when you're kind of plopped into set pieces? But it's also, I don't know. I don't know how to to reconcile the character she is with her parents, with the character she is in the labyrinth, right? Like, she's super dramatic, super over the top. Like, I'm kind of like, her parents are really reasonable people. (laughs) Like, they want to go out on a date. He's already going to be in bed. She just has to be home. And she's like, you're ruining my life, <laughs> which is very, te- like, fine. I'm yeah, not, I don't have a problem that's, with that's that. That's teen behavior. It's yeah, just sort yeah. of like, I, I just don't get a real sense of who she is as a character. Because she's so dramatic there. Yeah. And then you throw her into a situation where you should really be acting dramatic right yeah. now. <laughs> it's just like, she's just got to look it around. Yeah, like. <laughs> right. Well, but we always act craziest around our family. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I she mean, was Rip- just trying to be cool around the Goblin King. <laughs> well, you, you could. Yeah, whatever, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, the story is, I mean, it's pretty standard fare, right? It's, it's, children, it's, it's children's, children's fantasy. Yeah. yeah. You, can't, you can't scrutinize it too strongly i think but were you but, but i can't but was it enough to string you along i guess is because it seems like maybe you were losing it a little bit yeah or i just do lose you know, it a little bit yeah. um hoggles flip-floppery gets a little tedious it's tough because you don't want it to just be like this short movie but it also felt like they're oh they were padding padding some of this a little bit yeah. maybe and i wonder how much of that was lost because the script anytime a script goes through that many people's hands there's going to be something lost. I, I feel like there were some things missing, mm-hmm. like some elements of it that just kind of got lost in that that whole shuffle. Did it feel a little anticlimactic yeah. at the uh, at, at, on the rewatch at all? Like watching it not as a kid, kind of like the big thing at the end. It's a, it's a bunch of rocks rolling around. And yeah, then, big and thing. Then, and that's then, right. Yeah, and I'm, then, I'm uh, definitely like. I don't remember that. I don't remember what was going on there. <laughs> a blue, Bluto's friends with with rocks. Of course, I get right. that. I get that. But I loved it. I, I thought no. That, well, as a fine, kid, I'm fine with that being a thing. But yeah. that whole scene, I just thought that was like, funny as a kid. Yeah, it's just rocks chasing the goblins around. That's funny to me. But it's just slapstick. It is. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. I guess it to me it was just like, but this is like this is the big fight. And then you know you get the final meetup with Jareth, with, yeah. with Bowie, and um, you know I kind of like the. The general idea of it, of her being able to basically say, you don't have any power over me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, that part almost seemed rushed. Like it was kind of like all of a sudden she's in the room with him and she just says this line and it's over. Damn. I can never remember that line. Just fear me. Love me. Do as I say and I will be your slave. have no power over me. I have no power over me. 
I mean, I mean, uh, every I guess every movie like this where it's a uh, a Wizard of Ozzy type, you know, they they there's a moment where they snap awake yeah. and they're like, oh, like, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, Wizard of Oz is like, wait, she just clicks her heels together, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's idiot. true. I'm not like faulting it for that stuff because that's just sort of movie, movie stuff. Movie stuff. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I'm like, I I I do not remember why the goblin army was in the goblin city with them and chasing them. And it goes, and it's just, yeah, just where they live, bro. That's where goblins live. I guess so. The goblin sense. city. In the goblin, okay. I didn't put that together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Those are goblin houses. <laughs> and, uh, they're like, who are these people? Yeah. <laughs> we don't want you in our neighborhood. <laughs> oh man. Um, and I wonder if like the, you, you, have, you don't have any power over me is like, if you're thinking about it with like the novelization and like the, what she felt about her mom leaving and the, mm-hmm. the man who took her mom from her, if there's sort of like, she's processing also like her grief there, the anger that she feels towards her mom and towards her new family. Nice. And she's sort of saying like, Oh wait, this you stuff don't has have no that. Plan. Yeah. You, this, like the stuff that Agnes, you learned her name is in the mm-hmm. extra books. The uh, old lady trying to like the- pile on. Don't talk nonsense. It's all here. Everything in the world you've ever cared about is all right here. Look, here's your little toy candy shop. Dangers untold and hardships unnumbered. I fought my way here to the castle. Beyond the goblin city. Take back the child that you have stolen. What's the matter, my dear? Don't you like your toys? It's all junk. Huh? Well, what about this? This is not junk. Yes, it is. That stuff weighing you down, like this isn't meaningless or this is meaningful and like, or this is meaningless and, and just sort of her sorting through like, oh, what is shaping me as, as a person and yeah. my, yeah. my and, reaction and, to people. And I, I appreciate that sort of thematic direction it sort of has because there's sort of the simplicity of she just wants to get Toby back. And it's almost like she realizes uh, near the end that that wasn't really what Jareth had in mind. Like he wanted her. You know, and it's, that's like put upon her. And um, that is empowering to just be able to say, like, you don't have any power over me. Give me back the damn kid, you know? <laughs> well, in the, in the, in the comic. One because of it's the, like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't yeah. want this. I did say I wanted my brother to be taken away. That I did say, you know. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> but I did not mean but you I could seduce me at a masquerade yeah. ball. Well, that, <laughs> right. in, in, yeah. the, in the comic, he, the, the Jareth character actually tries to kiss her. She runs away from him. But like that, so that even they even later enforce that more so than mm-hmm. like he was trying to date her or whatever, you know, or, yeah. or, or whatever. Ooh, God I think do. that that's in the movie though. I mean, we got yeah. a, the ballroom scene is odd. No, it is. And there's a lot going on yeah. there, you know? And as a kid, uh, I had no idea. Exactly. You know, like I said, it was just <laughs> weird to me. It's, it's very weird. So we've, we've mentioned the music in passing. You've mentioned Phil, how much the music is a big part of your enjoyment of this. Um, let's just talk more about that. Do you have, a, did you have a favorite song when you were a kid? Dance, magic, dance. Yeah. That's everybody's it. favorite song. What kind of magic spell to use? Slime and snails. Or a puppy tail. Thunder or light. And baby said... Yeah. 
dance, magic dance, dance, magic dance. Yeah, that was the best. I mean, it, it, to the point where if there's people that have seen it and you just say, you remind me of the babe, like that whole first little, you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do you do? Do what? Remind me of the babe. That's the best. <laughs> that scene is like the that's the first thing I memorized from the movie. And my cousin would do that. Mm. We do that scene back and forth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can sing the whole song, which is just a great David Bowie song. Yeah. It is once the intro's done. Yeah, and this was right around the Let's Dance David Bowie, right? Yeah, and that feels very much like that could dance magic dance could be on the Let's Dance. It was one of the singles. Yeah, was there, there was there was two singles released from this movie, and and Dance Magic Dance was one. Was it underground? Was yeah. That the, yeah. So yeah. the two were underground and dance, and dance magic dance, magic dance. Yeah. Or just magic dance. Yeah. Is what, yeah but oh, magic dance. Yeah. But so I, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I, the, I believe that even the sound, like not just the soundtrack, but the score, mm-hmm. the score, which is super synthy, but the theme is recognizable throughout the, throughout the movie, yeah. uh, whether or not you remember it now, but it's, it's very, they made it very pronounced and, yeah. and, and, and I, I don't know. I think it's a good score as well. Not just the, the singles. Yeah. And, I think I'd have to go back and just listen to the album or the score because yeah. it's not terribly memorable to me. I mean, I would consider myself a an average Bowie fan. Like I, I, you know, I've gotten into quite a few of his records. Definitely a couple greatest hits collections, you know. And um, none of these songs from the movie struck me as oh, that's where this came from. To me, they didn't stick out much, and I was kind of surprised by that, to be honest. So you know, what? Like, what- what did you feel when a song came on? Like, did you feel like, oh, I'm checking out? Or like... I think I was just kind of like, oh yeah, this is definitely David Bowie. You know, mm-hmm. this is unmistakably David Bowie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's of that time we talked about. It's like right within the wheelhouse of... of That's what I was going to say. I mean, of, if you listen when, to his albums of that of, time. Of that era yeah. of Bowie. So I was fine with him, but I was kind of like, I don't know why I feel like I've never really heard this before or... you know, Even Magic Dance? I, I don't think so. I don't mm. know. That surprises wow. me, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I never watched the movie. Yeah. No, no. I, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I also don't know that. I mean, I, it was a single, but I don't remember hearing it on the radio. And I don't know where I would have come across it. Late night TV. Maybe. Like, after you went to bed. Yeah. Mostly. I have early bedtimes. So <laughs> that song was <laughs> played. Yeah. yeah. You know how they used to play the national anthem when TV <laughs> used would to go be magic dance? It used to be yeah, magic yeah. dance. Uh, after, that makes sense. After yeah. the national anthem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> then magic dance was over and it was just the boo. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have much of a, a opinion of the music other than, yep, that's David Bowie, you know, like, no, but, but I, I, like we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. But if you, especially if you don't know who Bowie is, when did you make that connection? Or, or probably when I was in high school, I grew up in a pretty conservative family, so I didn't listen to like rock music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, especially from like the eighties when I was a child, yeah. like, and, and because, you know, Bowie was kind of a polarizing character, especially amongst conservatives. Yeah. I think that's probably why I had no idea who he was, but, but once I, you know, once I figured out who he was like from high school onward, I, I love, I love him. And, and, and I will say this, there are eras of Bowie. I, pr- I appreciate more, but yeah, of course, but as, as a creative genius, I, he's one of my top 10 for sure yeah. of, of all time. And also just as a, as a personality and they talk about his personality on this set, they said that he was, so patient, hmm. so easy to work with, and that That's he what would I hear just about him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how many rock stars, right. you know, do you hear that about that they're actually very down to earth and polite and and work well with others? Right. Well, yeah. I, I I mean, Bowie strikes me as someone that also just loved film. 
Yeah. You know, like someone who would understand that like, hey, I can't have an ego because mm-hmm. this is all in service of the film and I love film and I, I believe in this well, project. Well, he was also, you know? for someone who is a solo performer, he was an incredibly collaborative person as well. His whole life, if he liked someone's work, he would find a way to work with them. Obviously, there were issues and I, I think it would maybe be remiss to not talk about the fact that he didn't want to kiss Jennifer Connelly, which is admirable. But there were also things about David Bowie's life that there were, were like, rumors, right? Yeah, yeah, and are rumors, yeah, yeah. yeah. That like, allegations. He yeah. did do some. He, he wasn't, you know, a saint, <laughs> or no, you know, or you know, perfect, like, yeah. he, but he, he was hanging perfect. out. But, yeah. But as far as like what we 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 also know about his personality, he was an g- incredibly generous, creative person. Trent Reznor has talked about how important David Bowie was to him getting clean, and um, the fact that David Bowie w- toured with Trent Reznor. Like, I mean, you think about like. David Bowie just knew what was good work yeah. and, and worked with that. I totally can see him being an asset on a, on a movie set. And it's, it's kind of interesting how little he's in Labyrinth. Yeah, I, that really. kind of struck me as well when you think about it. Yes, as far as like his physical, but they put his face... Yeah. Like his face is in is built into the sets and and like yep. they said like fourteen like fourteen mm-hmm. places they have his face mm-hmm. so they try to make it so he's omnipresent yeah uh, whether either he's always watching her like mm-hmm. he's yeah. always you know and so do do you have a favorite Bowie moment in, in mm. Labyrinth yeah the dance magic but where where he's talking to the goblins you know he's just like well laugh you know (laughs) you know he's making jokes and i just like how he interacts with the goblins they're like pets he hates yeah and and, but he he's so egotistical that he still needs their responses yeah yeah right I just love the first time he talks to Sarah because I'm like, oh, this is so David Bowie. This is David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, I was, he, he I has was, a unique voice, yeah. Yeah, which you don't really think. I mean, you you hear it and you're like, oh, that's Bowie. But if you think about it, yeah. even the way he speaks is very Bowie. And I was saying this before we started recording, but it just Jermaine Clement on the Flight of the Concords Bowie episode where he does the the 70s and 80s Bowie impression it's like it just nails it and i that's that's what i hear, that's what you hear. Yeah. like that that first scene of him speaking to sarah with the crystal um i'm like he's doing a david bowie impression <laughs> forget <laughs> about the baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. what about you Nate i just love um and it's not really anything he says but I, this is something that our listener eric brought up is just this shot of him there's like a scene that's like the mc escher stare drawing and um, just how he kind of flips up over the stairs. Um, and one of our listeners, Eric, wrote into us about that shot and just talked about how uh, he said it has a, quote, certain spooky atmosphere, which I think is a really good way of explaining it. Like it just there is an eeriness to that scene. And there's something special about it being David Bowie. Mm-hmm. It's just like he's larger than life. He's like, you know, the laws of physics don't apply to this guy. The whole shtick with Bowie is, uh, you know, like was what's perfection is going to be symmetry. And mm-hmm. Bowie with his one uh, eye, yeah. you know, uh, his pupil that's dilated. Yeah. When you have like such a, a symmetrical everything else and then one thing is not symmetrical. Just slightly askew. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that's what gives him kind of that, I mean, the alien look that he goes, you know, yeah. the, the yeah. star man look. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you throw him in, in, in an even weirder, he's perfect for that. Right. So, I mean, it was talked about in, um, in the intro, but the critics really panned this movie mm-hmm. when it came out. What I find interesting, though, is I was looking, I was just doing some like basic Google searching research. And of course, you've got a lot of pieces now of people right. writing about how much they love this movie. But I do want to point out that in 1986, the New York Times review by Nina Darnton 
she really loved this movie. Yeah. And I wonder if there's something to be said for it. It was like, like one that, of the only positive reviews. Yeah, I'll even say, she says, quote, it's a fabulous film about a young girl's journey into womanhood that uses futuristic technology to illuminate a mythic style tale is in many ways a remarkable achievement. So I, I do wonder mm-hmm. if there's something to be said for this being a movie that a woman critic was going yeah. to see it for what it was right. more than a lot of the male critics were at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and that it took a couple years and probably honestly more women critics mm-hmm. to kind of understand and respect the movie for what it was because even the pieces i read that were from like today yeah that were talking about revisiting the movie and really loving it for what it was the two i read were you know even from today were both written by women you know is this a movie that was partially not appreciated in its time because it was a movie about a woman a female protagonist a female protagonist not only that but one who was in a in, in, in kind of a weird psychological way having a sexual, sexual awakening, awakening yeah. that people didn't really know what to yeah. do with that because it's so, added on to this Muppet movie, right? <laughs> you know, so like, during so during the masquerade scene or as as her, her relationship with Jareth develops, men are like, "This is weird," and and maybe I don't know, maybe women are like, "This makes sense." You see, in my brain, I never got the vibe that like as a child, the thought I always thought with the ballroom scene was not she's being seduced by the, my thought was always she's being hypnotized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she, and, and she ate, I mean, yeah. she ate the fruit, but that's what that, I'm saying. Yeah. So she's, 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 she's kind she's, of drugged. Yeah. She's yeah. been hypnotized. Yeah. And my thought, like as a kid watching it was never, this is a sexual awakening. It was the goblin King wants to dance with her. Yeah. Yeah. And, She's, Trick her into she's tripping like she's there, tripping yeah. out like i right, didn't know right. what that was as a kid yeah. but like it was never well and when, when you take it as in as in that kind of thing yeah. where it is kind of predatory behavior yeah. it becomes mm-hmm. all the more powerful that she says you don't have power yeah, yeah. Me yeah. I, you know yeah. Yeah. i guess that's the thing in my brain even though you ever you know like the, the, everything's saying that it was uh you know her sexual awakening i never got the vibe that she was like going after Jareth. But did you yeah. guys get that? I mean, I guess I guess my question I think, is how did I think you, I got that it? I yeah. think I got that as an adult. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that if I were watching it as a kid like you, yeah. it would have gone right over my head. I mean, I wrote I, really I wrote I is he seducing that. her during that scene because yeah. I was like that seems wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> but like also a little bit counter to his uh stated goals. Yeah. Um, I also didn't think he was very successful is my whole point. No, it was like, I didn't think he was good at it. Cause no, she was like, no. okay, this is weird. <laughs> right. Yeah, I did. I, I picked up on it, but I also picked up on the fact that she was like off, yeah. put off by it, mm-hmm. but yeah. also that she was sort of like, Oh, though, like that all kind of, I, I appreciate that that kind of wraps into this idea of Jim Henson embracing childhood darkness. Yeah. That maybe that is a little perverse. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's explore it a little bit. You know, that, that kind of goes along with the other let's types definitely of definitely land on one side of it. Of yeah. That ambiguity, right. but like, right. let's acknowledge that that's an ambiguity that, that exists. Yeah. A good thing about this though, is at the end of the day, the whole thing is about her on her own power. Yeah, exactly. Like, whether, that's the whole whether it's sexual or not, that the dangerous can be alluring. Yeah. But she sees the danger and decides I'm in control of myself. Yep, exactly. I, I do not have to be beholden to right. the situation, which I think at the end of the day, especially back then yeah. for girls that for age, sure. yeah. a lot has happened in the last 10 years as far as, just the the public perception yeah. of, 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 you know, of, of, of consent and autonomy yeah. and yeah. All right, so one last kind of question I want to ask is of the creatures, because we talked a lot about how awesome the creatures are. Do you guys have one that really sticks out in your mind as like, this is this is sort of the creature that I, I love in this movie? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I probably have two that I loved as a kid, but like the main one was the little worm in the hallway, mm-hmm. the Ello. 
said, did you say hello? No, he said hello. <laughs> That's close enough. Like, I loved that little worm. I just thought it was yeah. so weird and so. I love her design too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I love the um, where there's the knights on the weird ostrich yep. thingies, and they have the spears with oh, the little yeah. munchy guys on those top. Guys, yeah, those little yeah. muncher guys. I just those thought, are awesome. They're yeah. such a simple puppet because mm-hmm. it's just the, those just like, like those lever thing, grabbers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they were just so cool looking as you see them running around the maze. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also thinking about the the two guys that are like the door handle yeah. guys yeah. and how like metallic they made them look and and just lifelike. Yeah, and then when she takes the kind of the handle away for, out of his mouth yeah. or whatever, and, and, then puts it, <laughs> and then puts it back in. That's yeah. all right. I'm used to it. I I love Ludo. I was gonna say Ludo's probably the the one that I connected with the most, and you know, just, he is at, cute at yeah, that he heart is. level. That heart level. Yeah. yeah. As a kid, I could see Didymus being a character I really like. Um, as an adult, his mouth creeps me out a bit. <laughs> He's and, got one of the best bits, like Python-esque yes. bits, too, about, about how you have to ask permission. Crossing right? the bridge. Crossing the bridge. Yeah. That's a very Python thing. Well, can we have permission? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if the If the... Farting sphincters in uh, <laughs> in the fog yeah, are our characters. Yeah. That's that's something that's so audacious you can't help but admire. <laughs> do you, do you at think least. there there had to be some puppet tier that had to open that sphincter? Yeah, like had to, or they just forced air through the bottom of it. Yeah, it just it was just kind of there. Just I don't like, know the mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Um, I think I think I, I like how clever the the two guys at the doors. Mm-hmm. You mean the four, the, the four like the upset the shield? Yeah, guys. yeah, the shield guys. I like that. I just like the cleverness of of it. All right, so um, I don't know if this discussion changed any of our minds on anything, or you know, I might put it as a five. I might change it. Yeah, you sh- you should. Well, just because yeah. I guess I don't I don't foresee this will this will it's just it's permanently etched in my yeah. In my brain, and I figure if it's one of my top five movies, I should probably. It should, be, yeah, it. yeah. So if someone came up to you and said that movie really sucks, would you, 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 would you really punch him right in the nose? Good, good. go at him right in the right in the Jim Bean. <laughs> Is that a Is thing? Is that the nose? <laughs> it's, it's the nose to fill. Yep. The one that he punches when someone says they don't. You'll like find out. Yeah. You say something bad. You find I won't. Out. I won't. I won't. I think I would keep it at four, but this was, I mean, I, I like this movie a lot and I really only have an adult experience with it. So I think, you know, rephrase that. I, <laughs> Try again. Yeah. So I only have an experience watching this as an adult. Yeah. I don't have that childhood sure. nostalgia. So I think I can be sort of a, a witness to, to say yeah, that like, you can, can it, even a fully grown brain, yeah, <laughs> a fully grown brain, a fully developed brain can yeah. enjoy this. Yeah. Unless you're Ryan. Unless you're me. I, <laughs> yeah. No, I I I I can see that I should have more fun with this movie than maybe I let myself like I should just ride it. Just be like, okay, fine, like go for the ride. Like, yeah, it's fun right now. And maybe it's not so fun right now, but like that that's fine. It doesn't have to be. And yeah, maybe <laughs> That's when you go get some popcorn. Right. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, there's still even if you don't care about the story, visually there's fun stuff to yeah. watch. Yeah. Right. And I think at the end of the day, there's still just this quirky thing that's like this thing exists. Yeah, like this right. this quirky movie that sort of yeah. uh, lightning in a bottle. Yeah, kinda, exactly. You yeah. know, Jim Henson's gone, folks. Like the, this type of that's the thing. You're never going to get this type of no, movie from yeah. Brian. You're, I mean, you're just never going to get this movie from the rest of the Henson family. Right. Jim really had a darkness to some of the stuff he did, even the commercials before he had the Muppets and stuff. Right. Right. And I. I 
I just I think that that he's a rare a rare singular person. Yeah, and I also wonder if there's even an aspect of it where now Muppet stuff it all kind of exists within this umbrella of Disney. Yep. Even the the Muppet stuff that comes out now, I think it's enjoyable, but it all kind of has definitely it hitting has on a, one note of Muppet. Like it's yeah. it's it's sort of like living into the idea of Muppets <laughs> yeah. rather than like the history of Muppets. It's sort of, and I don't mean this necessarily as a bad thing, but it's sort of a corporatization of no, it Muppets. Is. It you is. know, it's not the same thing as, you know, that, that sort of unique touch that an auteur even like Jim Henson could put on it. You yeah. know, like it has to come from him, yep. you know? So yeah, I guess, um, I don't think that we could have done uh, an episode in the labyrinth, no. uh, to the degree we did without you. So I, I wouldn't have I, let you No, I, you wouldn't have, we, we would have heard about it. I'll yeah. put it that way. We would have heard about it, but, uh, but yeah, I just, you know, I, I guess we would just want to thank you for coming yeah, on the podcast sure. again and uh, sharing with us one of your childhood favorites. Of course. No problem. It's always, it's always fun. It's always a blast. I, I appreciate it when you guys ask me back time after time, time after yeah. time, yeah. just <laughs> All twice. All <laughs> two times. All right. Well, Phil, thanks again. We'll have you on again sometime soon. Thanks, guys. All right. So, Ryan, why don't we uh, talk about what we're going to be discussing in our uh, next episode of Can We Still Be Friends? Yeah. Well, we're, we're bringing another guest in, and we're also doing... This is going to uh, be new. Another, a very new thing. It's, I mean, it's, I keep thinking there's the, no way we're going to keep no. breaking ground, but we keep doing it's it. It's not our first streaming-only release. But um, we've got a, a friend of mine from way back and also someone who is gaining some prominence in, in the Bitcoin world, actually. Okay, the crypto uh, yeah. cryptocurrency so uh, it's, landscape. It's, it's my friend Brad Rettler, Dr. Bradley Rettler. Okay. He is a professor of philosophy at Wyoming, at the University of Wyoming. Um, and he has been thinking about philosophy and Bitcoin, and he is in the process of writing a book with a couple of his philosophy friends and thinking, what is the philosophical benefit or dangers of Bitcoin? And so he's been kind of making the rounds talking about that. Um, he's not going to be talking about Bitcoin necessarily or well, maybe. even philosophy. We'll Who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that my challenge. Possible, I'm going to yeah. see if I can kind of g- get that mm-hmm. into this discussion. And he's he's selected that for us to watch the movie Hamilton. Watch yeah. the watch the Is it a movie or but it's like the filmed production yeah, I mean, of Hamilton. Yeah. As far as I recall, it was uh, eligible for Oscars, okay. which would have made it a movie. Yeah. Right? Right. And right. so um, but yeah, this was uh, released last Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, that's right. It was. And yeah. on Disney on Disney Plus. Plus, they filmed the stage version with the original cast of Hamilton. Its release as a movie was not Without his controversy, yeah, it was not quite the victory lap that I think a, a lot, lot of people yeah. expected yeah. it to be. Although, I mean, I still think it, it, it a ton of people watched it, yeah. and oh, I still, yeah. I'm, I'm in just sheer numbers. Mm-hmm. It still, I don't think can be beat. But you're right. I think that the discussion changed, yeah. and the conversation changed, and it even continued to change around Lin Manuel Miranda as yep. uh, In the Heights is now out, and mm-hmm. that was not without its own controversy, and right. so. You know, I think it'll be great to have Brad come on. Yeah. He, and now, he, I'm guessing he's someone who likes Hamilton. That's, as far as I know, I honestly okay. don't really know. Okay, well, we'll find out. And maybe we should mention that, like, we have been fans of Hamilton. We saw it together. Yeah, yeah. Of, of yeah. yeah. Of, I was gonna say we've, <laughs> we've seen, like, seen two, no movies, two movies, <laughs> and and one one Broadway musical together. Yeah, yeah. We saw Hamilton. Um, uh, in Chicago together. I mean, I, I think it will be interesting to even come at it as like, this is our history with it, like sort yeah. of how our ideas have evolved yeah. around this musical, which... And I we mean, also it, just happen to have a bit more of a kind of leg up in the first viewing. 
Well, the first time I saw it, it was actually... <laughs> it was actually... I mean, it wasn't Broadway original cast, that would be, but... Uh, but right. we certainly can keep our noses held high. Oh, and we and, will. And, and saying... And we, we will. did see this yeah. on the stage. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, and you, you, there's just no way you can capture it I, uh, on, on a streaming platform. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to tip my hand too early, but I was going to say the same thing. Being there <laughs> and seeing the Chicago cast mm-hmm. with... I want to say the third Aaron Burr, which was the best, probably. Probably it was the as one far I saw. As, as the one we the one we saw was the best. For sure. I haven't seen a better. But you do have to see it in person. Oh my god! It's not. It's 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 not the same. It is platform. It um, it's great. Don't it, get me wrong. It's it's a good. It's all you have. Alternative. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, I won't say it suffices. Right. Right. But it's close. No. To su- no. Actually, it's not even close no. to sufficing. But it's it's. It's something. It's something you can do. If you can't get to a taqueria for a good taco, but you can get to Taco Bell, okay. That's Taco Bell. It's sort of like the Mexican food equivalent of watching Hamilton streaming on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Technically, you ate a taco. Right. But spiritually, in reality. Existentially, transcendentally. You haven't tasted a taco. Experientially, not there. And we will 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 talk to Brad as a quote unquote equal. That's we, all we will. We'll, that's all we hey, can commit to. This is this is a Seven podcast. Of, this is a podcast. Episode ninety five. That's true. That's episode ninety five. If we can't, we need to have that if, level of mutual respect. You know, between, or at least act like it. Act like we have mutual respect between those who have, like us, who have seen it in person in Chicago right? on the stage, right, with the people around you. Right. With the audience. Mm-hmm. That's the thing they don't get. They'll never get that on no. Disney Plus. You'll nope. never get the audience. No. It's a living room. If experience. you start clapping, it sounds weird. So I'm not, I'm, I mean, that's great that people enjoy it on the streaming platform. I, I'm happy for oh. them. I'm happy no. for those who enjoy it on the streaming platform. Um, as long as they I've recognize a, yeah. that it's not the same. Oh, I've had a Taco Supreme. and Right. Sometimes you I, feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be a challenge for us. It'll be great to talk to Brad again. Yeah, it'll be great to. Well, I've never talked to to Brad. I've I've never been. I've never met Um, Brad. I'm excited to do so. Yeah, it's a beautiful collaboration we have between Mm -hmm. your friends, uh, myself, friends, myself, and hopefully some of your friends. Do you have any friends before me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to scrounge up a few for some future episodes. It's (laughs) yeah. See what you can do. I would love to meet meet those people. For me, can we still be friends has always been a very, very uh, trepidatious yeah. thing because I might it's be losing a little my pleading. only friend. <laughs> it's been a little pleading. Can we please can be, we still, still be friends? Because <laughs> i got no one else to podcast Can with I lock ever. you into a monthly schedule? <laughs> uh, Anyways. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, if you have somehow, and there are people out there, uh, you know, who, who somehow have missed Hamilton yeah. uh, up until now. Now's the time, yeah. really. It's, it's, it's this podcast that is, is the it. time. This is the best time. To get into Hamilton, to try it out. It's not going to be as great as the stage. Don't get us wrong. Oh, my but gosh. That was so great. It was great. It was great. It was great. But, you know, it, it's going to be worth your while to get that Broadway cast recording if you don't have time to watch it. Bottom line is, join us. And, you know, once you watch it, uh, or if you've already watched it, there's a lot of ways that you can give us some feedback on mm-hmm. what you think of Hamilton. But let's just, yeah, let's well, just run, let's run down those words. Ways, yeah. Can we still be friends podcast yep. there? Uh, Instagram. Can we still be friends pod? pod. Always our website. Can we still be friends.net? 
I'm just, I'm just emphasizing it. Yeah, yeah. You do not have to remind me that we're friends, <laughs> Nate. It's a little, you're not going to lose me. I know. I'm just, but I wanted to punctuate these yeah. things. Okay. Yeah. And our email is very, well, it, it includes our email, yeah. our website. Right. So feedback at can we still be friends dot net. Net. Not so good Not so good one, that um, we also have a, a phone number. Yeah, yeah. So uh, give us a call, 847-306-9532. Yes, there it was. I know. Uh, and uh, and then leave a, leave a voicemail, or you can always just, you know, use that voice memo app on your phone, package mm-hmm. that up, and send it off to us in an email. We'd love to be able to put that on the air. And, um, yeah, we hope you're enjoying your summer. We took that little June off, which was kind of nice to get that little breather, but we'll be back in August with mm-hmm. Hamilton. And um, yeah, enjoy the summer. Yeah. And catch you next, catch you next time. time.